Welcome back to the Cheers to Education podcast. I'm Bob. And I'm Zach. How's your weekend, Zach? Not too bad. I was just um, just looking out my window here. I got some nice palm trees around me. And <laughs> it's funny, over the, over the weekend, my wife and I were out doing something. And uh, I can't remember what it was. And out of nowhere, she was just like, and I'm Zach. And I was like, or what the hell is that? She was like, oh, I don't know. Where's Bob? And I was like, what? She was like, every time I hear you talk, all I can hear is you saying, and I'm Zach. So she's mocking you then. Yeah, of course she's mocking me. I don't think she supports what we're doing here at all. The importance of what we're doing. She just doesn't understand. Of course not. Yeah. Just just anytime we're in the middle of a conversation, sometimes she'll just say, and I'm Zach. And then we both start laughing. And then in the back of my head, <laughs> I would I cry a little her. bit on the inside if my wife did that to me. Yeah, I guess I should cry. But well, what guess. are you drinking today? Um, I got a Weiss beer. Nice. Me too, actually. Yeah. Is it a Koenig? It is. Nice. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, it's like we, man. It's like we went shopping together, but we didn't for sure. Yeah, of course we didn't go together. That'd be weird. You go with your wife. I go with my wife. That's right. And then she says something like, and I'm Zach, and then the whole day is ruined. <laughs> All right. So today we're going to talk about building a collegial school environment. Why did we choose this topic? Well, actually, at, at the end of this month, the end of September, I'll be giving a speech on this to a group of leader uh, in a leadership forum. So this is a bit of a practice here, practice run to see how everything goes. And then hopefully by the end of this month, we'll be all smoothed out and ready to go. Good. I'm looking forward to, to listening to it. Yeah. It's at the guest conference in the Jakarta Convention Center. If you want to come by and take a look. I don't. Um, you do. No. There'll be, there's a whole education conference down there. So lots of good stuff. Lots of good people to listen to. Not just me. Although I'm probably the most interesting. And I'm Zach. <laughs> yeah, I guess. No, it's gonna be it's gonna be good for you. Um, I'm looking forward to it. And even though I won't be there personally, I'll be there in spirit. Right. All right. So let's talk about it then. So what's a collegial school and what does it look like? So maybe I'll I'll go first since this is my topic that I'll be speaking about. So hopefully it makes sense now. I think as educators we have seen and worked at a lot of different schools, so we kind of have been able to compare the way things are done in a variety of different educational settings, right? So there's basically three different models of education, uh, three basic models of schooling. And I'll put the source of this information in the credit so that everyone can take a look at the book that I've been reading and you can see exactly what I've been, what, what I'm talking about here. So basically there's three different models of schooling. So there's a conventional school uh, conventional schooling or a traditional school, which I would say probably 99% of us have worked who have worked in education for longer than 10 years have worked at a conventional school. There's a congenial school, which is a bit more laid back, also not very effective. And then finally, there's the collegial school. So maybe before we talk about what a collegial school is, I can talk, I can say a bit about the other two first, so we can know exactly what we're not supposed to do. So in traditional schooling, there's a hierarchy that's enforced. The rules are strict. Curriculum is followed to the T, whether students understand it or not. It's characterized by isolation, a lot of coldness going on in the schools there. Have you ever worked at a school like that before, Zach? Mm, yeah. Once when I was in Korea, it was really cold. I don't. They didn't turn on the heaters. Yeah. So that would be a traditional school. That's probably, it was in a hut too, wasn't it? So that's a, an extra traditional school. It wasn't in a hut. It was in a proper, proper public school. <laughs> right. Okay. I don't, I don't know about that, but anyway, so traditional schools, I've worked at one. Oh man. I guess it was also in Korea, but we did have an actual building on like you. 
in my traditional schooling experience, everyone was very isolated from each other. So I'm teaching this grade, you're teaching this grade, you're teaching this grade. It was a very small school too. So there was only one or two teachers per grade level. So there was only maybe 50 kids in each grade level, basically. Everyone did their own thing. You you came in at, you came in at seven o'clock to start work. You left work at three o'clock. Everyone was in and out at the same time. There wasn't a real closeness, a real bond between the teachers, between the staff, between the administration. People kind of did their own thing. Although there was strict checking by the principal, it was just checking to make sure all of the academic tasks had been done. It wasn't really checking for the completion or the accuracy of how the intended goal was set out at the beginning. It was just pushed out there. So in the traditional schools, you'll see a lot of isolation. We talked about this in the last, in one of our last podcasts, actually, teacher isolation. We talked about that in our new teachers, in new teacher induction. So you'll see this kind of things in traditional conventional schooling where a lot of people are isolated and they're doing their own work. There's a hierarchy that's enforced by the principal and it's really, really full on. Teachers don't have a lot of input. And then you have the other side where it's the congenial, the laissez-faire kind of management where everyone's kind of laid back, everyone's kind of doing their own thing. There's not a real connection between the teachers also, and there actually is a lot of isolation as well. However, it seems like everyone's really close because we're talking together, we're having a good time. A collegial school, on the other hand, is characterized by purposeful adult interactions about improving school-wide teaching and learning. Professional respect is a byproduct of discussing issues with candor, accepting disagreements as an integral part of change, and respecting the wisdom and care of all arriving at educational decisions for students. I can tell you for a fact, I, when I'm going, when I'm talking about this here, this collegial school, I, I mean, it, it brings back thoughts of working at non-collegial schools. So you can see the stark difference, right? The, mm-hmm. There was a an administrator that I was underneath for quite some time who was very traditional, very traditional schooling. She, I would make suggestions about how to improve the curriculum. Teachers wouldn't make suggestions about different ways that procedures that have been in place could be done. And her response was always the same. Noted, but not approved. Maybe it was just a bad idea. Every idea was a bad idea by every person, not just me. It wasn't just me making the the suggestion. Okay, if it was just you, then maybe. But if it was everybody as, as one giant group, then yeah, probably not. So how do we deal with people like that? How do we make how do we make people like that more collegial? To make people more collegial, I think it kind of goes back to what we discussed in the last episode, not not the last episode, two episodes ago when we were discussing creating a positive school culture uh, primarily among teachers. And you talk about a congenial school where you say it's laissez-faire and everybody just sort of does their own thing. Everybody gets along, I guess, but uh, they don't really know what they're moving towards. Having having a goal, having something to move clearer to together is one way of doing it and keeping everyone on the same page. So there are aspects, in my opinion, that a traditional school and a uh, congenial school, there are aspects of them that, that make sense and that work. But if you want to move into a collegial environment, I suppose it has to be a lot more democratic then, doesn't it? It needs to be more uh, everybody voices their concern openly and it's not just noted and not approved every time, but instead there's an actual forum where everybody can sit down and discuss on why idea X can be beneficial to the school and how we can implement it. Granted, not every single decision, every every single idea will work the way it's presented. However, through shades of gray, 
in within shades of gray rather and through discussion you you might be able to find a way that is suitable for the school that makes everybody happy and has a long-term benefit so as i said making it a little bit more democratic giving teachers a role to speak their voice letting parents come in from time to time to do different types of seminars with the the teachers to get to know them a little bit better they can share their concerns with how things are going uh, between the teachers and the students or how the management of the school is handling issues maybe they would handle in a different way uh, but basically creating that forum where everything's democratic where everybody has a voice once you get to that level though it becomes a little bit tricky then doesn't it because managers uh, let's say if it's if it's a business oriented school let's say a private school uh, or or a public school even principal they have to do one thing that's very difficult to do which is release their power they they have to give up a little bit they have to share a little bit of leadership with the teachers they have to give the teachers an opportunity to take on responsibilities so it's it's something that's quite difficult for people who like to micromanage but the long-term benefits that you described earlier about how it, it can uh, pull together all the different views and opinions and and move things from being noted but not approved into noted, let's dig into this a little bit more. That's what you'd have to do is I think the people on the top have to release a little bit of their power. They have to make things a little bit more democratic and they have to, most importantly, not just hear what people are saying, but listen to what they're saying. Right. And I, you know what? And I'm not saying that in a collegial environment, the supervisor should have listened to every single idea that I had and then approved everything. That's not realistic, of course. But to put up a wall and say noted and not approved, it's it's not setting a collegial example for all to follow, I think. And, it, and setting this kind of environment really starts with the people at the top, right? If the people in the top, like you said, aren't willing to give up their a little bit of power, aren't willing to share the responsibility of managing the school with the teachers, empowering the teachers to become involved in the decision-making process of the school, the school is not going to run efficiently and it's definitely not going to be a collegial environment. And then it all goes back to a point that you're talking to also about creating a democratic environment. We live in a democratic society. We want our students to adhere to democratic principles. So we have to stick to those principles and follow our own example, follow our own lead and start off first by allowing teachers some choice in what they're doing, allowing them some time away from school for personal development. These kind of things, I think, goes a long way in helping to produce a collegial school environment. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, it's one of those chicken and the egg scenarios. Do you think that a democratic collegial environment comes first or do you have to have a good school culture first for a collegial environment to take place? I think you have to have a good school culture first before the collegial environment can start to blossom, I guess. So which one was that? Was that the chicken or the egg? I don't know. To me, it just sounds like an omelet regardless of what we're talking about. All right. That sounds pretty good though, an omelet, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. And, and then to take it one step further as well, when you're working in a collegial environment, and it, to me, uh, you know, we, we discussed this and it keeps coming back to a positive school culture, or at least there are overlapping areas that do exist. But consider for a moment, you work in a collegial environment with teachers and then, uh, and, I, and I've been in a scenario like this before where teachers aren't open to sharing what they've done, sharing what activities they've done. They're not open to sharing questioning techniques that they've used. I think that is, I don't want to say it's traditional and it's definitely not congenial and it's certainly not collegial, but I've seen that before. And you asked me 
what needs to happen? Well, first of all, teachers need to be open to sharing ideas and mentoring each other openly and coaching each other. Not so much in the sense that uh, a principal or a vice principal or some type of team leader of the school, whatever the position exists in, in your school, but rather everybody's on the same level in some regard. Yes, of course, responsibilities transferred up a hierarchy, but uh, mentoring each other as colleagues instead of giving advice as a boss, they have different effects, don't they? So if you're willing to share what you've done with another coworker and say, hey, you know, I like what you did here. Could you tell me a little bit more how to do it? Or have you done it before in a different way? Did it work? How could I implement it? So more and more sharing needs to come about as well for this collegial environment to take place. And it can be in coaching, it can be in mentoring, but basically it's just getting the teachers to work together, solve some problems, share what they've done, and this ongoing communication and feedback that's happening between the colleagues to create that environment. And by extension, perhaps you know, a positive school culture or collegial environment. Yeah. You know, I think this topic is quite, quite interesting, actually, which is why I chose to do a speech about it, because it kind of encapsulates a lot of the things that we've already talked about in a lot of the, in most of the previous podcasts, right? New teacher induction, technology in the classroom, a lot of these other things, they also, they, they go into creating a collegial environment, right? You can't have teacher isolation for new teachers and then have a collegial environment. You have to have all of these things to create a collegial environment. I was looking here online. I found uh, in my, in my textbook, actually, I found things that drive a collegial school environment. So maybe you can just take note of these three things. So there's first, there's a covenant of learning. There's a, a holy trinity of learning which is the mission of the school, the vision of the school, and the goals of the school. There's a charter for school-wide democratic decision-making, kind of what we've already talked about. And then there's a critical study process for informing decisions and conducting action research as a entire staff, an entire collective staff. This isn't the principal or the manager or the supervisor collecting data and presenting it to the teachers as an, in, in the form of a new policy. This is the teachers themselves going out there, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work, and then making changes together with the administration. Yeah, I think when when you phrase it that way and you explain it that way, and before I ask the question, which, which comes first, a positive school culture or a collegial school environment, a collegial school, I think it almost has to be culture, doesn't it? Because you need all of the things that you just said in order for a collegial school to come about. So what I mean there is that the teachers have to be proactive and they, they need to want to be proactive. And you're not going to have teachers that want to be like that unless the school culture is positive for them, thus creating a collegial environment later. So, I mean, I don't know too many teachers who are working in terrible conditions that actively want to do the things that you just described. So, the school culture has to be good and then you can have a collegial environment after. No, I think you're definitely right. I think I'm definitely right about the point that I made earlier, for sure. I'm definitely correct about that. Yeah, well, you're rarely wrong. That's true. Trivia, trivia will prove that once again. <laughs> so maybe some specific strategies here. So some specific things that you can see in a collegial school that you would not see in some of the more conventional schools or the laissez-faire kind of schooling that it's, it's not as prevalent, I guess, but we really are trying to move away from the traditional schooling. So here's some specific strategies that teachers and administrators can implement. First is that teaching is deprivatized. So a lot of times teachers have the tendency to privatize their own teaching. This is my classroom. This is my space, my hallway, my locker, my dirty gym socks. We can't do that kind of stuff anymore. Okay. 
we got to open up our classrooms and let everyone else see outside. And we got to extend, like what you said, we got to extend ourselves outside and see what else is going on in everyone else's class and kind of try to bring some of the strategies that we've learned from them into our classroom. Teachers share strategies, teachers share materials, they share their problems. And then not only do they share their problems, they share their possible solutions to the problems. Working as an an administrator myself, I always tell my staff, I'm okay with problems. We all, of course, there's no school that's going to be perfect. There's no school that's going to have the complete collegial model. So there's going to be problems and that's okay, but I'm a solutions guy. So if you have a problem, if we have, if we have a problem, I want to hear some solutions to the problem. I don't want to hear only the problems. And I think that's what goes back to what you said. The teachers have to be open and accepting of giving their ideas and maybe sometimes getting their ideas rejected, but they have to be able to put themselves out there to, to create this kind of environment. Teachers have to observe each other and learn new ways of teaching. They should gather classroom data and provide feedback to each other and for themselves as well. And then collegial groups analyze common problems, plan common solutions, and assess the results of the improvement efforts. I think that's the, that's one of the big thing. It's, it's just a, it's like a whole a whole cycle, a, the cycle of collegiality. It starts with the problem, goes towards the collaborative planning, and then implementing the the what the procedure, and then as a group assessing the results of the improvements or or not improvements. Okay, so here maybe I'll just read you. I'll read you here one example from the textbook. Then I promise we'll provide some information about this book in the credits since I'm, I'm using them quite a bit here. I've wrote, I've wrote a couple of, of papers about it as well. Maybe we, maybe we can post that on the website. So listen to this, Zach, and tell me if you've ever worked at a school like this because it sounds pretty awesome. Okay, just take a listen. Take a listen. After school, we attend a meeting of the school's leadership council made up of primarily teachers. The council is considering action research proposals submitted by faculty liaison groups. Each proposal is focused on improvement of curriculum and instruction. Much of the debate among the council members is concerned with whether or not the proposed research will assist in in meeting the school's vision, mission, and goals agreed on two years earlier by the entire faculty. At at times, the debate becomes heated. Clearly, the council is taking its decision-making seriously. The principal is a voting member of the council but does not have veto power over council decisions which are made by majority rule. Have you ever worked at a school like that? Nope, never. I've worked at a school where you probably wouldn't even get the principal to show up for the council meeting. Yeah, well, that doesn't sound good. But huh? what, that doesn't sound good. But what about you? I mean, let's say let's say you are the principal. You, you'll be principal in a couple of years, I imagine. So what? We, well, that that'll be the day. Yeah, yeah. We won't even have time for podcasting anymore. Actually, you know what? I hope you never become principal because I want to keep doing this podcast forever. They can't afford me anyway. <laughs> no, but I mean, if you if you were principal, would you handle it that way? Would you have a, a council and you would have no veto power whatsoever over making decisions over a school that you are, for all other intents and purposes, uh, responsible for? Would you do that? Here's what I think. At the at the beginning, probably not. Right. It it would take some time to develop a staff where I would feel comfortable doing something like this. So at first, I probably wouldn't be comfortable with being only a voting member, but not having any veto power. So in that respect, no. But I think once you've established this kind of environment in your school, I think after some time, I think it you could possibly accept something like this. I don't see why not. Because sometimes you need to keep your job. I well, mean, there there are a lot of but, things, for example, that, that... But look, look, look at the topic they're talking about. They're talking about whether the action research 
will assist in meeting the school's vision, mission, and goals agreed on two years earlier by the entire faculty. Yeah, they're so not talking about not giving the kids lunch or anything like that. No, but those are, and that would never come too. But but you have to. I mean, I would I would seriously have to look into like what, whatever discussion that they're talking about right there. It does sound fantastic. Where I, the, the the idea sounds fantastic, but uh, what was it? Action research and whether or not it meets the the goals, the vision, and the mission. It just sounds to me like like a cupcake factory where everybody sits around and talks about their feelings. Those are, there's no decisions that's being made. It's just, it's just, is, is it, or is it not? The decisions are all being made. They're being made, being made democratically. Yeah. But what are they deciding on? This is just an example, Zach. Okay. Yeah. I don't It's just an example. Terrible. Of course, of course. Yeah. Imagine you worked at this school. How would you feel valued or would you feel better working with the noted but not approved woman? I would rather work at the first school, obviously. But what I'm saying is if you're principal of that school, are you going to use that counsel to make important decisions? Are you going to lay your ass out on the line for probably in this council, you're going to have have staff, you're going to have some teachers. And when I say staff, I mean, you'll probably have like an accounting staff member. You're probably going to have heads of departments from non-academic areas of the school. You're probably going to have a couple of parents, maybe maybe a school board member, whatever it might be. And then as the principal, let's say you're the chair of the meeting, are you legitimately going to allow a mutiny happen on your hands when you know damn well the person who's hired to take care of the school, that's you, are you going to let them steer the school in the wrong direction just to be democratic? Just to say everybody's happy and get cupcakes? No, that's not what I'm saying. No, okay? but, but that's Here's the what I'm saying. environment that it is, right? You're saying that everybody gets to... You're saying that everybody gets a voice. Great. I think that's fantastic. But this non-veto power... For, for the principal, how long do you think that teacher is going to keep his job? That, that principal? Here's the thing. That's, that's an example. Okay. That's an example. And of course it depends on what you're talking about. Okay. If we're talking about whether we focus on 19th century or 20th century European history, I think something like that, the teachers can probably decide democratically by themselves. Well, well, whether if it's an entire school policy, that's important that um, my ass is on the line for that kind of thing then of course I would want a bigger say in something like that. But in terms of altering the curriculum slightly, I think I would, I wouldn't have much of a problem after getting to, after already establishing this kind of environment, I wouldn't have a problem letting the teachers democratically decide what's the best course of action. Interesting. Of course, I'm not going to steer, I'm not going to steer the ship into the rocks. If I know for sure that the directive they're going to implement is going to be unsuccessful, the the conversation will continue until you get what However, you want, which is not for, democracy, which is not democratic. If there's a huge fallacy in the issue that they're trying to debate, then that will be addressed by who? By you? However, as I mentioned before, it depends on the issue at hand. Yeah. So the issue at hand is if it's something that's not very important, you'll trust your staff to take to take. Uh, make decisions on it and to discuss it. But if it's something really important, you're just going to do it yourself. No, I didn't say that. Putting words into my mouth. That's what you said. You said it would be on a case by case I didn't case say that. Basis, I, said, right? I said, I said it, it, it depends on the situation. Yeah, case by case. If it's something, if it's something that directly affects me as the principal, then of course I'm going to want to have a little, a bit more say into it. I mean, I agree with a lot of that stuff, right? So teachers are discussing different programs within the, within the school that also in, includes people from the outside, probably someone from the school board, someone from the PTA, someone from the other, the greater school community as well, and including the teachers and then the principal and vice principal are there as well. 
Now, the principal is a voting member of the council, but doesn't, but does not have veto power over council decisions, which are made by majority rule. I think we can, we could consider that on a case by case basis. However, we would like to be as democratic as possible. Sometimes the issue at hand affects the principal and does not affect, will not have a, as much of an effect on teachers. And I think for that kind of thing, the te- the principal or the supervisor can have a bit more of a voice than normal. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that, that a collegial environment doesn't work. I'm just saying whatever scenario that is, it regardless of, of uh, where you work, even if it's a completely collegial school, everybody's still going to hold the principal accountable. So there, there has to be a whole lot of trust that you have in your staff to help make these decisions. And to say that that a principal cannot quote unquote veto a decision that that the board makes because there are so many moving pieces that people do not see and do not understand the the outcomes, the long-term implications of doing so. And it's going to be the principal's um, responsibility regardless. So if everybody votes on a certain issue and then it turns out poorly, they're going to say, hey, principal, why did you allow this to happen? So I think, as you said, in a case-by-case basis, it might it might make more sense to allow deliberation in issues of things like day-to-day issues of the school but long term goal vision mission you can you can set a goal vision and mission together i think with a lot of people i think that's a great activity that you can do with parents and students if you're just starting up a school but i think it's i think it's essential to do that actually yeah i but i've never For, seen parents to, to create a collegial school environment it's essential to create those kind of things as a as a community and and that works but i've i've never seen it happen um like after a school's already been opened and settled for a couple of years it, it has to be, let's say, maybe like a charter school that just pops up and the charter school really wants to have this collegial environment, then maybe, uh, or, or a private school or whatever it might be. But if a school's running for 10 years, I don't think they're going to call in the parents and the teachers every single year and say, hey, you want to change up our vision and mission because you can't do that. A vision and a mission, your vision, first of all, is a five, 10 year uh, glimpse into the future. So that can't constantly keep changing. Well, I, th- I think you're right on that. I think for the larger scope of things such as the vision and the mission i mean that's agreed upon at a certain date at the at towards the beginning of towards the beginning beginning of the operations right. of the school right so that's the kind of thing that everyone that everyone agrees on at the beginning and then you base off the future things that you're meeting about are based off of the vision and mission that you've all already agreed upon yeah you, you have a vision you have your mission you have your goals of the school and sitting around once once per term you know however often you'd like to schedule it as a leader of the school and then you talk about all the different day-to-day things that can be done that either support or go against your vision your mission and your goals and then you make decisions about about those things together i think that's crucial as you said it's, it's essential but i i think still you know the principal should have the final say yeah okay i I'm, like i said i think it depends on a case by case basis for for creating the mission, vision and mission of the school, the teacher, or the teacher should also have a say, but the principal should also have a very large say in that as well, because they're in, when the, the buck stops at them, of course, and they're the ones that are in, in charge of that kind of thing. Now, whether they focus on 19th century or 20th century European history, I think something like that can be democratically debated within a group of teachers and then, and that they can come up with a, a suitable answer with the, with the principal's interaction in that group as well but more as a as part of discussion not head of the yeah, discussion. that works so maybe just one more thing here before we close this one out and go to trivia because we're 
stretching the time here. So maybe just one more thing here. What can we expect if we implement collegiality into our schools? And this is from the text as well. So more energy out of our teachers, more creative thinking because we're bouncing ideas off of each other at all times, more efficiency because we're sharing, we're sharing ideas, we're sharing the workload to some degree, I guess goodwill increase and the cynicism and defensiveness that hampers change decreases. There's a lot of this cynicism and defensive and defensiveness in conventional schooling. So I think by implementing some of the stuff that we talked about today will help create a collegial environment environment and will kind of erase a lot of that defensiveness and cynicism that is pretty prevalent in some of some of the traditional schools that I've worked at. As a as a teacher these things aren't going, they, they're things that you wish would happen immediately, but it's going to take a while for, you know, school administrators to get to know you, to trust you, to value what you have to say. There are a lot of moving pieces that have to be taken into consideration. But as you said, when once you do get to this collegial school environment, you will see a lot more energy and there'll be a lot more people working together. The school culture will improve as well, or it will either the school culture will either improve because of this or vice versa. Uh, I still can't decide which one comes first, but uh, either way, there in some way. The egg, the egg comes first. Yeah, yeah but I come decide. back to it. It's still complementary in some way, shape or form in my head. Sure. No, I'm just being cynical. It, 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 all, it all works together as one big moving piece, one yeah. big cycle. Pin interest. Okay, but now it's time for oh. trivia. Are you ready? All right. So I'm, I'm giving a speech on this later, so if I lose this, it's pretty embarrassing. Yep, that's right. You go first. All right. Collegial schools establish goals consistent with the responsibility of education and the democratic society. Which of the following topics is not included? A, a action research. B, curriculum development. C, autocratic leadership. Or D, strategic Ooh, that planning. Would be autocratic leadership. Yeah. Correct. Buddy. Okay. A collegial work environment is reciprocal, democratic, easy to make decisions, A and B, or all the above. Wait, what was C? Easy to make decisions. A and B. That is correct. It is reciprocal and democratic, but it is difficult to make decisions. Yep. As we discussed earlier. All right, number two. Knowledge, interpersonal skills and technical skills are all prerequisites for developmental aspects for supervisors, teacher goals, community goals, or student goals. Uh, what was the first one? A? What was it? Developmental aspects for supervisors. Yeah, A. That's right. You got it. Okay. Got it. We got a shootout going on right here. What is not effective in a collegial environment? A, collaboration, B, mentorship, C, managerial decision-making, or D, all of the above? That one. C. Good. That one. C is correct. All right. Good job. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Two for two. This is the alcohol question, so it's <laughs> it's a bit more fun, except okay. this one is a little bit gloomy, maybe. All right. Research has shown that nearly blank percent of high school kids have tried alcohol. 5%, 15%, 50%, or 80%. And by the way, I don't condone this. I'm going to go ahead and say 50. You'd be incorrect. It is actually no 80%. Shit. 80% of high school kids have tried alcohol, huh? According to healthkids.org. <laughs> okay. For the right. win. For the win. What were the years, the active years of prohibition in the United States? A, 1925 to 1932. B, 1920 to 1933. C, 1950, or 1915 to 1930, or D, 1931 to 1939? 
I'm going to go with A. Final answer. Oh, man, you should have gone with your yeah. gut. It was 20 to 33. B, that's a tie. Oh, man. I guess it's a draw. Yep. So we both uh, If you enjoyed the show today, please give us a shout on our website at cheerstoeducation.com. Check out our Instagram at cheerstoeducation. Our Twitter, cheerstoeducat1. And we are also on Patreon. If you would like to support our cause of continuing to do this every week, we would greatly appreciate it. And if at the very least you uh, if the very least you cannot uh, try to give us a review on iTunes or on SoundCloud so we can get our name out there a little bit more. Really appreciate it. Yeah, and then and then give us some feedback too. If if, you, if there's things that you liked about what we're saying, please let us know. If there's things that you want to hear more about. We're open to ideas about new podcasts. So, And any feedback would be great. Appreciate it. Have a great week ahead. Good luck with the first couple weeks of school. We'll see you soon. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. Uh-oh.